Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to the Osher Ginsberg Podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. This is episode 150. Look at that. Round numbers. Uh, this is episode 150 of the show with Michelle Langston. She is uh, an actor from New Zealand. Uh, more about her in just a moment. Uh, thank you so very much for being here. This show is brought to you by the fine human beings that support this show at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Osher, O-S-H-E-R. That's where you can lend your support to the show by pledging a small amount of money each month. It helps me make the show, helps me pay Andy, my producer, and helps us bring you the show each and every week. This show wouldn't exist without you. So thank you for supporting the show. Uh, I know some of you do, and thank you. It's because of you that the last few months of the show have been able to happen completely. Uh, If you do want to support the show for as little as five bucks a month, uh, you get a warm feeling in your stomach and you get some exclusive episodes that I try and get out as often as I can. Um, I am in Lawn in Victoria. I am on my iPhone. Sorry, I don't have my regular mics. You probably figured that out right now. Uh, you know, I'm in a hotel room in Lawn in Victoria. I came down here because I was invited by the Amy Gillett Foundation to participate in Amy's Grand Fondo. Uh, pardon my yawning. It's uh, it's not quite not quite seven a.m. Um, and it's Sunday morning. Um, I was invited to participate in the um, Amy's Grand Fondo, which is a 120-kilometer ride along the Great Ocean Road and the Otway Ranges on completely closed roads. Almost impossible to ever get these kind of riding conditions. Um, 
so I've, and I totally believe in what they do. So of course I said yes because the Meter Matters campaign is is very important. It's been helping a lot of cities and states around Australia implement um, minimum passing distances for vehicles and cars. And uh, did a couple of podcasts down here, which you'll hear in coming weeks. Um, yeah. I am super unfit. <laughs> I said yes to this and then proceeded to miss every single one of my long training rides that I had planned. So I'll see how I go. Luckily, there's a thing called a sag wagon that um, drives behind everybody to pick them up if they go too slow. So I might get a nice ride home. Um, so yeah, this week's been a real interesting one. There were some photos that came out online where I got papped. Um, now, I've said pretty much everything I had to say about this the day after on the radio. Um, that article got picked up. Um, but there were some photos that came out. I was on a scuba diving trip in between shoot days. And these guys had followed me for about an hour and a half and then went and hid down the road and took photos of me uh, squeezing into a wetsuit, which is nobody's most flattering moment. And I found out about these photos about 10 minutes, maybe eight minutes before Michelle Langston walked through my door. So everything you've heard me say about this, which um, is online right now, um, the reaction that you hear Michelle and I talk about it, that was born out of this conversation. Now, Michelle opened the door. I opened the door and there's Michelle. She's this bright, bubbly, blonde ball of beautiful energy. And she's like, what's wrong? She saw it in my face straight away. I said, I've been papped. And I feel really ashamed um, because they're calling me names and they're shaming me and it's horrible. And I made a decision to hit record. So you are going to hear me about 11 minutes after I found out about these photos feeling floods of 8-year-old and 12-year-old shame coursing through my body. Um, you'll hear me and Michelle talk about this. You'll hear Michelle start to explain things to me and me completely not be able to hear her because I'm off in another world dealing with brain shit. But about half hour, 45 into it, I remember my training <laughs> and I go through what I can be grateful for about this situation and you'll hear a breakthrough happen. Now, I've left pretty much all of it in because I thought it would be interesting for you to hear what it's like to be hit with such news and then with someone who you've only just met trying to explain why you're being really weird. So you're going to hear me quite emotional 
and hopefully rational. Um, what you heard me talk about, if you heard the news article where they quoted what I said on the radio, if you've heard that, that happened the next day. So I had a full 24 hours after this conversation to get my thoughts together. But you'll hear pretty much my straight reaction here. So I thought I'd leave it in. Because again, I thought it might be interesting for you to hear what it's like to try and process stuff like this. And I can't thank Michelle enough because she was there and she just kind of saw that I needed help and she was super kind and showed a wonderful amount of compassion and a wonderful amount of empathy and then she asked some really smart questions that really helped me find what it was that I felt about the situation and don't worry we talk about acting and being in Xena and McLeod's Daughters and all that stuff but yeah she was as instrumental she was just very instrumental in helping me feel better that day and I'm very grateful to her for doing that you'll hear of course that Audrey was most instrumental because I, <laughs> I called her and, uh, as soon as it happened and uh, she's I'm very lucky to have someone who loves me for everything I really really am and Audrey's been amazing this week she's been just absolutely amazing this week um, she's down here with me in Lawn and it was her birthday this week and me and Gigi made a big surprise for her and nothing makes me happier than making those two happy it's really nice it's a really lovely hotel they put us in the sun's shining it's rising now the sun's just popped up up over Bass Strait that's how far south we are we're down the bottom bit of Australia and the, the girls are asleep in the room next door and I'm off to go and ride try and ride 120 cliques uh, I've got to go fill my water bottles and get, get it together so um, look thank you for listening to this show and thank you for being a supporter of the show if you like this show I, I do have to give a subscription away no, not a subscription. I do have to give some uh, episodes away to somebody that um, reviewed the show. I'm sorry I don't have that information with me right now. I'm just recording this on my phone. I'll double up next week. So if you do want to have a listen to the exclusive episodes without pledging five bucks a month, super easy. Uh, just leave a review in iTunes. Uh, for some reason, the iTunes uh, ranking system works in a mixture of downloads and reviews. So if you leave a review, you help more people find out about this show and that helps us a lot here at the show. So um, if you leave a review this week, um, I will uh, give away two lots of exclusive episodes next week. Okay, let me tell you about my guest today. Before I do that, let me just say thank you for listening. Thanks for being here. This is a really personal one, this one. <laughs> 
Michelle and I do eventually talk about her career, but I've got to, I've got to, I won't lie to you. This one's more about me. Um, that's just how it happened that day. So let me tell you about my guest today. Uh, Michelle Langston is a, an actress uh, from New Zealand. Uh, Australian audiences would know her from McLeod's Daughters, where she played the role of Fiona for a couple of years. Uh, she's also recently appeared in the drama 800 Words, where she plays the role of Fiona. I don't think they're the same person, but if they were, that would, that would be pretty excellent. Uh, she's been in a bunch of movies. She's made a bunch of television. She's been in Shortland Street, which is the, the greatest New Zealand soap of all time. Uh, she's a wonderful human being. She only eats plants. She's an animal lover. We didn't even talk about the vegan stuff, her and I. But you'll hear that she's so much more and that she's very compassionate, very empathetic human being who's thought a lot about the world and is very serious about what she does as an actor. And it was really, really nice in the end to have her. At first I was quite embarrassed as well because I had to share the story with her, but it was really nice in the end to have her there. So... Please enjoy this conversation on episode 150 with Michelle Langston. Hello, Michelle. Hello. Welcome. Thank you very much. You've arrived on a rather interesting morning. Yeah, tell me about that. Well, for some reason... I don't know why. I've managed to get away. I feel terrible complaining, all right? It's, so you know what? White, it's all right to complain. I'm a white, straight, middle-class man. I've already got... Odds are in your favour. Everything's re- made for me. <laughs> the world is built for me and it's policed by people that look like me and it's rigged for my benefit, all right? Mm-hmm. So privilege is most definitely recognised. However, today... Um, Mia Friedman, who is the head of the Mamma Mia.com.au empire, she said, oh, see the Daily Mail papped you. I said, oh, really? And I've somehow, I've been on telly for about 17 years and this is the first time I got done with my shirt off. Oh, that's confronting, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh the headline was something along the lines of uh, Osher Bears is Bailey Belly. Yeah. Oh, and wow. there's a photo. And I don't know if you've ever tried to get in or out of a wetsuit, but it's nobody's <laughs> it's best <laughs> side. It's not easy. It's ever. never easy. No one ever looks good getting no. in or out of a wetsuit. It's Any- an inelegant piece of clothing for a starter. Anytime you see someone sexually putting on or off a wetsuit, there's talcum powder involved. I'm going to guarantee it. Yep. Um, yeah, so that, that was about 12 minutes ago. How are you feeling? What's your main really base feeling? Really shit. Embarrassed or uncomfortable or well, violated or a little bit of a combination? All of the above. All of the above. And um, also just why are people so mean? Why do they put such, yeah, say such mean, it's unnecessary a f- straight things? flashback to, you know, getting bullied for being a fat kid. Um, when I was in high school, I thought I left all that shit behind me. I called Audrey and I, I said, thanks for still having sex with me. I didn't know I looked like that. <laughs> Bless her heart. It's fair. It is really. It's quite alarming, isn't it? I think we're so surrounded by that instant access media where you see that stuff, even if you don't go looking for it. Mm. And I, I'm always quite taken aback by because it's. 
it's someone's job to think of those headlines. Mm. It's someone's job to write that kind of salacious, mm. attention-grabbing. Like, that's your job, man. And my, co- but my contract, I guess, my social contract is, yes, parts of me are public yeah, ac- property. Yeah. And that's fine. And I've always played that my body or body image isn't. No. Uh, I'll share everything else. But it's not my job to be the hot, sexy one. No. No, that's what Bachelor's job is. And that's what that's what the boys on the show's job is. And mm-hmm. when I was an idol, it wasn't my job. My, no, no, that's what all the singers. It's not ever been about me. It's never no. been about me. And I never have chased that down. And yet, here we are. Here we are. Yeah. Hot currency. Oh shit! I don't know. It's a, it's a strange thing, isn't it? Like this is what forty-two-year-old men look like. But it's just—it's not <laughs> awful that you even feel the need to justify or defend yourself. You—you you shouldn't. Uh, I mean, in an ideal world, people wouldn't be writing that stuff and those things. I mean, because it's just completely ridiculous. But doesn't it suck that you immediately <laughs> ring your fiancé and say, you know, that what it makes you feel, mm. the first thing it makes you feel is lesser or embarrassed yes. or reduced, your worth absolutely. being reduced because of an objectification. Yeah, absolutely. It's awful. It's really wrong. It's yeah. a really wrong part of the way that we live now. And they went into the rest of the article because I've spoken about it quite a bit. And the, they go into the article talking about how big I was when I was younger and they talk about going to Weight Watchers when I was eight, which I did, and they put this in the same article. Wait, so it's like, got make sa- up your fucking mind. You're going to make fun of me for being fat or are you going to, like, I don't know what to do. What do you want to do? What's the first thing that you want to do? Look like that bloke on Survivor. He's <laughs> <Shut laughs> like fucking mega ripped and he's got mad arms. But don't you just hate... I just, I've got, a, I've got a real problem with the absolute obsession that we have with the way that people look and particularly weight. Like our whole, so much of our focus, so much of like the, fo- I don't know, everyone's on a diet, everything is, everyone is always trying to achieve. It's, we've gone so far to the far end of the spectrum that we've actually, it's insane. Mm. The folk, we're so far away from what actually matters with people that it gets to a point when you realise, you know, as a consciously living person who you hope has good values, that it's actually starting to affect you, you know that you're sort of really in trouble because it, it, it is not important, except that it's been made to be important on every platform that we're a part of in the way that we live now. And I, I really object to that. I find that it makes me really angry. I feel angry on your behalf. But why is that what, the first thing that we talk about? Why is that yeah. the first thing that we focus everything on? Also, I'm kind of interesting how you mentioned uh, shame, embarrassment. All these things uh, came to me in a flood, and I'm still, you know, feeling the effects because you know when you get an emotional response, it kind of lasts for a while. And I'm still like, where does that shame and embarrassment come from? Yeah. How how long ago? It's it's like this shit from when I was a kid. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm talking like over 30 years ago. Yeah, but I mean, if you that speaks to the the little kid that's inside you and yeah. is inside all of us. Yeah. You know, as I remember someone saying, I don't know who it was, maybe I was in therapy, I don't know where I was, but someone said, I was talking about something, I said, would you, if you met a little seven-year-old kid on the street, would you say to her what you're saying to yourself and what you're saying to me now? Yeah. And I said, no, God, no, I would never, ever say that. And she's like, yeah, so why, why would you say that to yourself? And it's that same thing of you You immediately went back to that little person because yeah. that's what it is, is the world saying you're not good enough. Yeah. And so, you, of course, that's still acute within you because that little, that small person, that innocent person that had nothing bad happen to them yet still lives inside you, still yeah. lives inside all of us. But what do I bloody do with this? I mean, here's the thing. 
it's not my currency. My currency has always been, I've always been the traffic cop in whatever show I've been doing, all right? Yeah. I do share parts of my own life that's here on this show and also on the radio show mm. I go on. So I'm not, I've never really been, I've never marketed that, all right? I even, they even gave me that bloody Clio Bachelor of the Year thing in 2004, first one ever not to take a shirt off. All Great. Right? Yeah, right. yeah. No mean feats. But you work in an industry where it's like, yeah, we'd love to give you the role, but can you drop a couple of pounds? Mm-hmm. All right, and you've mm-hmm. been facing this your entire career, mm-hmm. I'm sure. So mm-hmm. what the fuck do I do with this? Can you give me some ammo? I have no idea. Well, <clears throat> it's an interesting thing. <sighs> hmm. I think a few things. The first thing I think is because you are in a slightly different position, um, you probably can speak to that and how it makes you feel. Um, because you're across platforms that give you a voice in that way, you can articulate that. And actually you might be doing um, other people who feel similarly to you a favour and people who feel lesser. Having someone like you acknowledge the way that that made you feel and look at the problems that that kind of article invokes and brings up, that that actually might be really helpful, not just for you in terms of processing it, but for other people who find themselves or feel similarly about themselves. Um... Because I think it's always helpful to talk about it. I used to think, like, growing up, and as a young actress, because I'm 37 now, <clears throat> so old, but, um, like, in my early 20s, I used to think it was like, you know what, you just just get on with it and don't worry about it and don't talk about it. It's part and parcel. And actually, more and more, the older I get, I actually feel the opposite is true. I feel it's really important to talk about um, the things that are asked of you or implied if they make you feel uncomfortable. Because... A lot of our creative industry, I d- I've lost count of the times that people have turned around and said to me, yeah, yeah, but that's just the job. And it's like, I, no, it's not the job, actually. My job is to grow into a character. My job is to be someone else for the period of time that I'm hired. My job is not to put up with all the bullshit, image conscious crap. My job is not to dress up like a doll and prance down a red carpet constantly at the behest of people that want to take a picture. That's not my job. My job is to vanish into a story and help an audience vanish into a story. So I guess less and less now, I'm not, I, I'm not into that stuff. And I'll just say, no. I'm not into the, the way in the industry there's this kind of pressure all the time about how you look and not about how you think. You know, I just really like people to ask me what I'm thinking about. I'd like to be able to talk about the things that I care about and the point of reference not be the way that I look. And so I think the only way that you change that conversation is to literally change the conversation and turn it back on the person that's asked you that or go wider, bring it up, you know, and really bring it up. That would be the thing that I would say. Because hmm. otherwise it's never going to... If we all just sort of quietly go, oh, yeah, well, you know, whatever, nothing ever changes. I don't think. What do you think? You look dubious. <laughs> I'm trying to manage uh, an emotional flood that is uh, going through my yeah, head. Yeah, I know you r- are. Right now. You're somewhere else, eh? Yeah, it's very difficult. It's very difficult to uh, because that what you're saying is, as an actor, you are able. I feel somewhat more legitimately to take that stance. I'm not paid for this. This is not my job. This isn't. You're not. You know. Um, uh, what's whose whose line was it? I can't remember. Um, I can't remember who it said, but it's like uh, the acting I do for free, they pay me for everything else. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Which is someone someone was you know trying to say well, why should you get paid ten million dollars for this film? 
And he said, well, I do the acting for free. It's great. So all the other shit I get paid for yeah. is not being able to go on holidays <clears throat> with my family. Yeah. All right. I get paid more so I can go on holidays with my family and mm-hmm. not get hassled mm-hmm. wherever I go. And that that's kind of one way of looking at it. But what you said, my job is to vanish into a story. Um, maybe that's an angle I can, I can take. You know, I'm not... Um, but, you know, as you said, speaking to other people who may feel this way, I think it's also that I'm getting really, really hijacked by the 8-year-old, 12-year-old, 12-year-old, 13-year-old in me. Yeah. Um, when I got to high school and the bullying really kicked in. Um, it's that stuff that's just, what is this, fucking 1987 again? I mean, Jesus Christ. It, it's, 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 it's as real as day. It's as real yeah. as the dog in front of us, you know. Yeah. And it's, it's very, it's like, oh, shit, I thought I'd dealt with that. And clearly, uh, clearly I've not, you know. Um, you know, my first reaction is, well, I should just go to the gym heaps and then they've got the best before photo for the after that I'll give them in six months. Yeah. But then, <laughs> but then they've won. Not that it's a competition, not that there's something to win, but then you've done exactly what they hope, which, well, you know, like it's, you're in a cycle then of, well, look, I can show you how I can turn around mm. to be what you think that I should be. Yeah. I don't know. In, in regards to that, <clears throat> excuse me, um, what you said about suddenly you're back 13, 14, you're at high school and you thought you dealt with it. Yeah. I recently came up against a massive emotional pattern that was buried so deeply inside me. I had no, that got triggered by something else that happened in my life. And I was straight back at 14 and actually had probably one of the most profound realizations of my life that a whole pattern of behavior that I exert as an adult is absolutely because of one thing that happened Hmm. when I was 14 years old and I'm 37 and I was like yeah I've gotten over because I got bullied at high school as well and this was this is a separate issue so I really feel you it's at a really huge time in your life it's the hardest time of your life I wouldn't go back to being a teenager for anything that you could give me ever we've got one Terrible. I mean, it's terrible. Yeah. It's a terrible time and to be on the And now Snapchat and Instagram as well. I know, it's ten times harder than Private it was. Private chats that you're not a part of. The yeah, reality yeah, it's, it's the worst. Um, not worrying at all, is it? It's the worst. But, like, I, I guess I just assumed that I was just going along in my adult life and that was cool and I dealt with some stuff and I'd address the kind of bullying and I'd address various things. And it felt me. It, like, took me down at the knees from out of the blue. And fortunately, because I'm probably a bit more emotionally aware and... Um, my brain's a bit more in charge of my reactions. I could kind of work through it fairly swiftly and it felt like this kind of great release, but it gave me a real fright. You know, so I always think those trigger points, because mm. they are, they're a trigger, that kind of cascades all of your other emotions around mm. you. You know, you become like, yeah, you're just a waterfall of feelings. Yeah. It just goes round and round and round. I think there ch- it's a changing moment. You're right. So it's, it's the choice you make of how you want to change it. Yeah, it's what it's doing is it's, it's, it's opening the gateway to a neural pathway that is very well worn. And maybe you haven't gone down for a long time, but Still there. It's, a, it's a shortcut to fear and shame mm-hmm. that um, was hardwired in there mm-hmm. uh, 30 years ago. And suddenly I'm, I'm rolling down that road again. But when I want to think about that I've managed to build what I have without ever overtly sexualizing myself, um, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty decent, isn't it? There's not many, <laughs> yeah. other, there's not many mm. other guys. Um, I guess maybe you could, I don't know, when I think about other people that do my job, maybe Grant Denyer, maybe? He's never really been the hottest, hunkiest, you know, sells himself as this bloke. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
But then again, as a guy, I'm not really called upon to sexualize myself a lot. Like yeah. you're never going to see, they're never going to print a photo of David Kosh on the beach with his family, are they? No. They're never gonna, no one ever wants to see Koshy with no shirt on. You know, I, it's really interesting. I was having a conversation with my flatmate yesterday because we just got done watching a really amazing TV series called The Night Of. <clears throat> which ah, is, we just watched the first episode. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try to not talk 100 we million miles an hour about it. We just watched the first episode and went, oh, no, <clears throat> we're in so much trouble. Oh, how did, they how did James Gandolfini produce this when he was dead? Oh, this okay, is so amazing. You know that he was playing the lead lawyer and then he they shot the oh, pilot. Oh, it was the lawyer. He passed away. And then yeah. so they brought in John Turturro and they yeah. and then they shot the Nobody series. Nobody fucks with the Jesus. Oh, my God. <laughs> He's really I mean, good. I just, He's on really good. any given day, I'm deeply in love with that man. Yeah. But by the end of it, I watched the finale twice and just howled in my apartment alone, like howling with sadness and grief. But the reason that um, I thought of that is because uh, we were talking, my flatmate and I, having watched the end of that show, about that kind of double standard. I said to her, it's weird, you know, people like John Turturro, who's not like the most dashing, amazingly beautiful man. He's beautiful to me, but in a different way. It's people like him that are my favourite actors. They're unusual, they're kooky, and they're usually always men because women aren't actually allowed to be that. No. Until they're sort of in their 60s. When they're my age or they're younger, until you get to a tipping over point where there's that theory that you sort of become invisible as a woman, generally you're not really allowed to be a kind of character actor or be be the kind of actor that John Turturro has been for his entire career. And it's such a double standard. It's so shit. And I know it's so obvious to say it, but I was watching that and watching all of the men in that show who are pretty careworn and most of them having a bit of a shambles and they're not your classic good-looking men. Yeah. And they're all the kinds of actors that I love. And... Women, women aren't allowed to do that in the same way. We no. can play cute, but like, but if you play the kind of neuroses and strangeness that John Turturro's character has in the night of, as a woman, it reads neurotic and it's sort of tacit that we're vulnerable anyway. So mm. of course we access those feelings. So it doesn't have the same emotional reach. Yeah. Whereas it's so affecting watching him scratching his eczema. But if a woman did it, you kind of be like, ugh. Whereas we like to see women be really strong and kind of masculine yeah. outside of their own stereotype. And that's what's effective. And I just think that's such a shame. It's like, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going No, 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 this, it's totally true. But you you know, know, when I, I think even... of women that don't adhere to that, um, <clears throat> shall we say, uh, you know, it used to be, used to be, there were actresses and then there were fashion models mm-hmm. and now actresses are expected to be fashion models yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Okay, they're two very different. If you watch, if you go, I mean, crikey, go look at Annie Hall. Like she was the hottest woman that there was at the time, completely flat-chested, wears completely boxy clothing and a big hat. Yeah, tomboyish. And, yeah. and that, was, that was what was, if you look at so many uh, before breast enhancement, Surgery was what it is now. Um, you look at so many films from the early 80s. Like, look at Kelly LeBrock, for God's sake, in The Woman in Red. Gene Wilder passed mm-hmm. away. They showed that on the telly the other night. Her body's amazing. She hasn't got double D boobs. She looks fairly, you know, yeah. at the time she was the hottest woman that existed on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, and but Kelly, Kelly LeBrock at the time was not, you know, she was more the hot one. Yeah. All right, not so much the actress. Now, I guess, if you want to be anything but that, you've got to be Rebel Wilson, Melissa McCarthy. You've got yeah. to, you, you can be that big if you're funny. Yeah. Or if you're weird. You can't just be, I'm slightly bigger and I have a few neuroses about this and that and the other. Yeah. I, I don't know, maybe. I, I hate to say that you're right, but I think you probably are right. Lena Dunham? Yeah. Oh, God, I love her. She's In gorgeous. girls, maybe an argument against that. But 
she still cops so much. Yeah, she really does. Everywhere, left and right. Yeah, I remember because um, once upon a time I was on Twitter and I'm not anymore because I got because of the various things that I saw, which I found quite repulsive in human behavior. But someone I remember seeing the day that I left, someone was talking about girls mm. and just it came up in my feed. I don't know how Twitter works, whatever. And someone said, I just don't even need to see Lena Dunham's disgusting body again. <sighs> and it was someone that I knew, vaguely knew, had met once or twice. And I just went, what the hell is the matter? What, where does the animosity and loathing come from? And then at what point do you feel like you need to say mm. that? Yeah. On a media, I just found that, I just found that really awful. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't, that's a, that's a, segue into probably what is another conversation but yeah I don't know like character actors and women I think you probably see it more in Britain I think it's the American influence yeah cultural influence and which we is really strong that. yeah we do I don't think it's the, quite the same in Britain I think that they tend to produce actors female actors who can be a bit more unusual although I suppose if they're crossing over into kind of Hollywood mm. acting they they're required to look a certain way it's weird isn't it because like, yeah. I don't want to I mean, there are a lot of really amazing actresses who are also ridiculously attractive and great, good on them. But, like, they're not, they're not my favourites. I want to go to see the people that I feel a sense of solidarity with or go, I know you, or you could live next door to me, or mm. maybe you don't have anything to do with me, but I feel your humanness. Mm. And I think the danger of that kind of homogenisation when it occurs en masse and all of the storytelling that we see we think, like you think at the moment, how you feel, that we exist in an other, that we don't belong and we're outside of a norm and mm. therefore not good enough. And I think that's very, very dangerous. I think it's dangerous in art because well, art, I, art is all about the outsider, actually. <laughs> but um, I, I already am. Darling. I already am outside the norm. I already, you know, I have one of the 10 jobs in Australia that exist in my line of work. Mm. Um, Scratch that. I have one in television and one in radio, you know, so I'm taking up two jobs that are, are quite hard to get, a mm. uh, host of a big reality show and a host of a breakfast radio show. Mm. Um, so I'm already kind of weird. I don't eat meat. I don't drink. Um, I identify as having a mental, mental illness. I'm pretty I'm, – I'm out on the edge anyway. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I just don't know. Is it, are you wondering whether this is a battle you want to fight as well? Well, I think, you know, what goes through my head? I found out about this because Mia texted me and, and said, did you want to write something because you've been body shamed, now you know what it feels like. And I, what do I want to write? What would I possibly write? Could I, would writing something make any difference? Would, would a video be different? Would a video be better? Yeah, maybe. Um, would, a pod, would a podcast yeah. I mean, presumably people are going to listen to this and this well, is your first, un this is your unedited response. This you know? is going to come out after whatever it is that I do later today. Yeah. So if, when people see whatever it is that I do today, if I do anything, um, I think I might. Do you want to maybe sleep on it? That's what my mum always tells me when I get fired up, as I routinely do. <laughs> That's what Audrey tells me too. Audrey and it's a hard one because you just want yeah. to fire away, don't you? But I think sometimes there's value in it because you might have a brainwave in your sleep. I, 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 you know, I think my instinct, I mean, it's not happening to me, but I don't think you lose anything to say, 
this hurts me yeah. and this brings up feelings of shame and I'm worried about that and I'm worried for all of us that this brings up feelings of shame. I'm wondering, I wonder about what that says, speaks to us as mm. a community, what that speaks, you know, like what that says about the way that we live now, what it says about the pressures that we're putting on men and women by proxy and like, mm. and, and this, I feel uncomfortable, I feel angry, I feel embarrassed, it's taking me back to this age, this has really put me in a tailspin. And I'm responding to it from a place where I feel confused, trying to find my way out of it, you know, and, and frame it up in that way. I don't think there's any danger in saying that because that's really human. You don't have to come out with a response that's beautifully articulate and perfect mm. because none of us are. And the way that you feel right now isn't. So yeah. maybe speak from that place. I don't know that there's any, I don't know, like in our, I feel like in our industry we're always, you know, you get asked to, for a response and someone says, think about it and write your mm. statement about how you feel about it. And, and it's always really thoughtful and it's always really balanced because I think there's this concept or fear of that speaking from your heart has a wildness that might seem irrational or it might seem unbalanced or it might be just a little bit too much for people. And I, I think my argument to that is, fuck that. <laughs> Speak from your place of anger or the bit that hurts you or the part of you that goes, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah. Like, who is the person that's job was to stand on that fucking beach yeah. and take my picture? Who, you know, like, but then the other thing in my head is going, that's just the way that we live now. It's what you do when you're in the entertainment industry. That's yeah. a deal that you make with the devil. You're a public property. Yeah. Rah, rah, rah. Everybody is. Everyone that's on television or whatever yeah. belongs to the public. And that's just the way that we live now. You'll never beat it. So... I don't know, you can't beat him, join him, or you just forget about it, or you just be a duck and let the water run off you. The troublemaker in me and the person that just goes, well, I'm not going to do what you tell me to, goes, mm. say it. Say it as many times as you want to say it. <laughs> say that it hurts you. Yeah. Because everybody tries to act so... It seems to me, like, just those tailored responses is all, I'm mm. not going to let anyone see that this bothers me and I'm not going to... Well, this was, if you think about it, if this was in a workplace and someone put this photo up on the billboard, someone's going to get fucking fired. Yeah, because it's bullying. Yeah. It's mean. There's, there's no it's two, mean spirited. There's no two ways about it. Yeah. But we put it up on there. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. We what, goes through your mind? what goes through <clears> your mind when you are up for a role and they say, all right, um... As you've seen in the script, there is a, a moment where your character and this character are nude. Um, we're going to shoot it as tasteful as we can. This is what I want to get out of the scene. I need to depict this. So it's going to have to be kind of passionate. Uh, and you're like, well, the sex part, maybe not. But, oh, my, I don't feel so good about all those cupcakes I just had. Yeah. Like, what goes through your mind? Um, I think you usually... I've done quite a few sex scenes, actually, over the years. And weirdly... Oh, there's something I feel really comfortable with and it's because everybody else is so uncomfortable that the crew and everyone, it's so locked down and everyone is doing their best to be professional. It's usually over very quickly. So they're a dream to shoot because it's done There's a joke fast. there, but I'm not going to go near it. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, so in that respect, I find them, they're pretty like breezy. The concept of being naked where people can see it <laughs> Has my the way that I feel about it's changed over the years. Like the first sex scene that I did, I must have been twenty two, so it's fifteen years ago now. Oh fuck yeah, film me naked at twenty two, please yeah, capture see, that forever. Now, but this is the thing because I was so worried about it, <laughs> yeah. and I like got a personal trainer because it was a film. Yeah, and so I like worked out lots to sort of not, you know, like I'm not I'm not a muscly person. I'm not really a. I love watching sport, but I'm not a particularly sporty person. I don't. I'm. That's not, not really. 
<clears throat> in my nature. That's person. fine. It's okay. Um, and so, not everybody does CrossFit. No, not every, not I everyone don't. is on Instagram. Fitspo. No, like, because you know I just eat the plants and I'm happy. Yeah. Um, but I t- sort of made a real effort with that and felt quite shy and was a bit worried about you know like my size or my shape and all of that kind of stuff. And the interesting thing is, I feel. T- totally the opposite now as a 37 year old I feel the most in my skin I've ever felt Mm. I feel the most relaxed about being naked that I've ever felt because I think I've really know who I am now and when I was 22 I didn't so maybe that's just lucky or maybe I've just hung around myself long enough doing that kind of stuff that I'm like I can make a choice here to expend energy feeling bad about this or make a choice here to go, this is my character, this is what I'm doing, get on with it and not worry about it. Because so, I think it, it, it is a conscious choice in our job. Like you can really spend a lot of time feeling bad about it or worrying about it. But then I just think, oh, I don't know. I don't know whether I look better now than I did when I was 20. Oh, I don't care. I don't, but you know, like I, don't, I probably don't. <laughs> Realistically, I probably don't. But I feel, I feel better. Right. I like because I like, I like what's inside the skin I'm in. Uh-huh. I like the person that's in there and yeah. the experiences that I've had. So I guess <clears throat> that idea of as without, so within. Somehow, in my head, I've made that work for myself. Whether or not that's what anyone else sees is kind of irrelevant. But does anybody want to hear that? That you might feel like we're at twenty-two, but. You just have to wait 15 years and do a whole bunch of work to get there. Isn't that true of most parts of your life, though? <laughs> like, I I just really like being a human on the planet now, even though there are lots of things I really struggle with as an adult. I much prefer 37 to 25. I yeah. wouldn't go back to my 20s. Hi, mate. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love your talk. Um, I wouldn't. I just wouldn't ever. Yeah. I found, it, I found um, living with the kind of brain that I have and the sensitivity I have really treacherous for a really long time. Why? What would happen? Just, I think, I grew up, I was really, really shy kid. Really shy. Like, didn't really talk. And books and um, the world of imagination is where I went to feel safe um, and away from myself. And not because I had a bad upbringing or anything. I had the opposite. But I, and then just as a young adult, and I suppose maybe a throw on from being a teenager and having a terrible time at school, I just really sensitive I'm someone I absorb the energy of people around me I pick up on how people are feeling and I'm really I think I was quite a gentle person in terms of my decision making when I was in my 20s and I maybe wasn't so good at standing up for myself or making clear decisions and trot along with everybody else even though I you know I had a sense of my own integrity I didn't necessarily feel comfortable expressing it were, and then, were boundaries a problem if you felt other people's oh, yeah. emotions yeah oh yeah because you're just picking up on everything you're just like this big sponge receptor you know just going bring it in bring all your feelings I'll take yeah. them on board so I don't know for whatever reason <clears throat> I grew out of that and I don't know growing up you know I've learnt a lot as an adult. I've had some really shit things happen to me, to be totally honest. Really bad things that have taken a lot to recover from. But they've also, with the learning, like where you are at now maybe with how this feels, comes expansion. Yeah. And I, and I was, it always just annoy, annoy me when people said, they're like, yeah, but this is a learning experience and you're going to be a better person. And I was like, fuck off, I'm in pain. Mm. And this sucks and this is not a way to learn. But actually... <sighs> Probably is. <laughs> Sorry to say it to you, Osha. Like I don't know. It's the it's the 
the bits that tear you apart and make you feel the I think actually at the moments where you feel the most uncomfortable, you know, when everything is sitting inside you and it just you're mm. just jostling to actually feel like you're in your skin and it's all off, you just feel way, way off. Mm. That's the bit, like when all of those things are shouting the loudest, that's the bit where it's about to change forever. Yeah. I think. Right, yeah. So I could probably find some gratitude for, for right now. Yeah, well, give yourself a day. You don't have to feel grateful today. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, you don't have to feel grateful, but you can feel glad. There's yeah. difference, isn't there? I, all, I just know that it's, it, it's interesting. I, through getting sober, I've had to be very, very careful with resentment and the fact that I, I won't even entertain resentment for five minutes. Yep. I've, I've forced myself to try and find a path away from resentment as quick as possible because it's just there's no more painful thing that I can experience and there's no quicker path to shitty de- thinking, shitty decisions and shitty behaviour than resentment Yeah, for me. Yeah. Um, resentment does feel really good. Gives you energy, doesn't Righteousness it? Righteousness feels fucking great. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Really does. Mm-hmm. It's an excuse to behave. It's an excuse to, you know, well, I did this because you fucking know. Like, you can, people go, oh, fair enough. But I can't do it. I did enough of that. No. I can't do it anymore. No. And... You know, if I try and process it, like that person who took the photo or photos, that somehow in the back of their mind they've made it okay for them to do that job. Yeah. And they sleep at night quite happily and their children have got safe, warm beds and full stomachs because yeah. of the job they do. Mm-hmm. And okay. I personally wouldn't do it, but if that's how you're feeding your kids, that's great. Yep. Um, am I frustrated that, you know, this is bothering me? Yeah. Am I grateful that I have what I have despite them? Yeah. I'm okay. Um, am I grateful that my fiance still wants to have sex with me? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like that. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I'm going to let that one go because that, that <clears throat> presumably is a person that loves you very much and yeah. doesn't love you because of how you do or don't get in and out of a wetsuit. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. not to, to find a point on it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. It's all right, though. It's all right to to feel the way that you feel. I guess what I'm really grateful for is that I've waited a long time thinking that it was always going to get busted one day doing this. It's not the first time I've got in or out of a wetsuit in public. <laughs> I've done it many times. Usually around surfing or scuba diving, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, but... I'm surprised it's taken this long, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, well, you know. Like well, you're on a but you it's know, done now. massive it's TV down. reality show and yeah. been around, you know, like I'm, I do But it's out there now. It's like, well, fucking finally. Now it's no longer a story. Yeah. I mean, you'll never feel this way again. No. Nothing will, it will never have no. have this impact again. No. It's kind of a one-time only deal. Yeah, yeah it granted, is. it's brought up a lot of stuff. Because I, I ride my bicycle a lot um, and uh, I'm proudly a middle-aged man in lycra and the clothes I wear on my bicycle most definitely leave nothing to the imagination and when I'm out I'm like oh fuck if someone's going to pat me then there's no hiding yeah (laughs) you know it's even 
It's a, at least with a wetsuit, it's got some elasticity and it pulls everything in. Yeah. <laughs> Not this stuff. Oh, man. It's, uh... yeah, I suppose that's the only thing I can be grateful for is that, you know, that's one of the things I can be grateful for is that I now have, I'd, I'd like to think that I'm a feminist in training. <laughs> I'm never going to call myself a feminist because that would imply that I know all there is to know. Um, I'd like to think that I try and act with that in my heart as often as I possibly can, but this has given me, I guess, a lot more insight. Yeah, it's growing your empathy again, right? Mm. In a um, new way. Yeah, so I'm grateful for that, I guess. Um, but all the other arguments are, you know, invasion of privacy and all that kind of stuff. Like, well, fucking, what am I going to do now? It's already done. Yeah. Well, yeah, it is done. Nothing to do with it. I think what you do now is just how you make people. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Peace with it for yourself mm. and whether or not you want to make it about other people or broaden it and expand it to include other people or, you know, I don't know. At least you're smiling about it now because, you know, like half an hour ago. Oh, really. was it when you no, walked in? No, no. This, is, this has been really helpful. Um, I guess the... Don't you sometimes just, you know, maybe you don't wish this, but I sort of think, imagine if you were someone that things just didn't really affect you. Because, like, I, I'm pretty sure there are a lot of people who might listen to this and go, so, who cares, whatever. Yeah. You know, but, like, sometimes I wish to be a bit more bulletproof than I am. But then I know yeah. that the argument is, yeah, but with feeling things acutely comes, you know, yeah. really lovely stuff as well. But, like, you know, there's lots of people that just don't care about that sort of thing. But then there's lots of people who probably haven't been through what you went through as a young man. Well, I can't go through the world life like that. I Neither. think that's what also makes me good at what I do is that when I do speak on a microphone on, or on television, uh, there is something, I don't know what it is, but there's something that I am able to do with my voice or with my uh, um, visage that people are able to connect with more than others because mm -hmm. I'm getting these jobs over other people. I'm, I'm yet to kind of figure it out, but I'm somehow able to communicate emotionally with people on another level that goes beyond um, just speech and hand movements um, but that's made me good at my job and so I've got to take this I guess the thing that makes me happy is okay what makes me happy about this Michelle um, it's done yep it's no longer a story I 
could now quite happily walk down the street with my shirt off and be like, fucking, so what? <laughs> You've already said I've got a barley belly and there's photos of me Wankers. looking like sausage meat squeezed out of a rubber glove trying to get into a wetsuit. Um, great. <laughs> and? <laughs> there's far more difficult and painful things going on in the world than this. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, so, it's really interesting. On my way down here, I stopped and got a coffee <clears throat> and... The guy, the barista said to me, oh, how's your day going? And I was like, well, and he goes, oh, that bad. And I was like, no, I just actually, do you know what? I have got blisters on my heels and they're really bad because I got a new pair of sneakers and my feet are really sore and I don't know what, like I've gone through like seven different kinds of elastoplast mm. and like a billion different, and it just, it's kind of getting me down because I walk everywhere because I love walking. And he was like, wow, so, okay, so first world problems in a really dismissive way. And I was like, well, yeah, he goes, so you got a new pair of sneakers, new sneakers and your first world problems and they've given you blisters. And I was like, yeah. And I get the point that you're making, but just because there's someone somewhere else in the world that can't afford to buy sneakers doesn't mean that the pain I'm feeling in my heels, which are raw and bleeding, is therefore somehow completely irrelevant. Yeah. Like I was just a bit like, I said to him, yeah, you know what, it's funny because, you know, when I buy coffee, I'm hoping to feel cheered up by it or just like the joy of having a coffee is like, I'm a realist, mate. Where did you go? Can't remember the name of it. Where is it? Up old Bondi Road somewhere. I'm just, right. But I was just like, okay, that's really great that you're a realist slash you totally yeah, yeah. like. Forearm tattoos, beard? Beard. Mm. No visible tattoos. Mm. Shirt buttoned up tightly to the collar. I don't know. But I was just a bit like, well, all I said, you asked how my day was and I said I had blisters <laughs> from some new sneakers, man. Like I'm not like, this is not They could have been fucking moment. Dunlop volleys, like, the motherfucker. Been, they could have been 10 bucks from yeah. Buddy Kmart. Like yeah. it's like, this is, I just. He's hmm. assumed though that you're a Bondi person and that you've got $300 sneakers that you bought. They're not, they weren't anywhere, anywhere near that. But also it's like, yeah. I just told you I had blisters and my feet are bleeding. Like mm. it's not, we're not here to sort of have a holy, like get off the cross, mate. We yeah. need the wood. Like it's not like, do you know what, like I just, oh, I find that really, te- yeah, I found that really tedious. Do you have to do I'm... anything that involves walking or running in the next five to ten days? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I walk everywhere. I okay. walked here from my house. I oh. walk to various places. How long does it take you to walk here? 40 minutes. 40 minutes. 45 minutes. It's a good walk. It's a nice day for it. It's beautiful. I'll walk back as well. Not too hot, not too cold. Yeah. But like, you know, it kind of hurt. The high was like, the high way. What shoes are you wearing today? Are these the new sneakers? Yeah. Which I'm continuing to wear and taping up my hip. This is so, now it's ridiculous. But like, they're just little kicks. Like, they're just regular. I've got pointy ankles, like heels. Like, it's not, I don't know. Well, that's not the anyway. I don't even know where I was going. No, no, no. Okay, that. so there's a pharmacy. But my point is that there's pain a pharmacy is down the street that will sort you right out. I've gotten everything. I like. I stopped on the way here. Have you got the, the little gels here. that do yeah, the things? Yeah, the, bl- the blister. Uh. Yeah, I've all of it. Like I've spent like probably fifty. Do you want some gaff? I've got some gaff there. <laughs> Actually, it's probably the only thing that was. Gaff is probably. I once did that with a pair of ill-fitting snowboard boots. My feet looked like mincemeat, but I was like, I'm over in Utah. I came all the way here. I can't not snowboard. No. So I used gaff. Wow. I gaffed up. I can just imagine what that felt like. Did you get in the bath to soak it off, to then peel it off, or did you just go just for... Kept layer upon layer upon layer. Ooh. Bit of a, uh, uh, what's the American, uh, sorbeline, not sorbeline, um, anti, the, an, uh, the antibiotic, the panthen. <clears throat> All right, the kind of the, the cream you put on on uh, the tattoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. one that's got an antiseptic in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just put that on, put some gaff on. Up the mountain we go. Oh, God. 600 milligrams of ibuprofen. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, maybe I need to get on the hard stuff. I was 26. <laughs> I just, I'm 
course not. I'm not good at being uncomfortable. I don't know. I think my point of that whole thing was that, like, pain, physical pain or emotional pain is really relative yeah. to you. And you can't just dismiss it because someone else, no. there are bigger problems going on in the world. Right now, for you, this makes you feel something acutely. It makes you feel uncomfortable. And that's just as valid as, like, yeah. you know, like, I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. But I feel like it's very dismissive for people to say, oh, well, you just had your picture and, and it made you feel bad. Because it's actually, the point is that it's made you feel something. Yeah. As a person. And you're only in charge of your own orbit on the planet and how you feel and conduct yourself. So yeah. why is that? I don't, yeah, I just, yeah, I don't think, don't dismiss the way that you feel just because it might seem to other people like it's a luxury problem or whatever that yeah. phrase is. Are you so lucky you get papped on your fucking scuba diving trip in fucking Bali, motherfucker? Yeah, Which that. is what happened. Yeah, of course. Uh, it's actually the day I got decompression illness too. Oh, no. <laughs> I got papped and the bends on the same day. How did they put you in a... T- how did you recover from that? I didn't have to there? go in the chamber in the end, no. Is that a hyperbaric, yeah, hyperbaric chamber? chamber? Have yeah. you ever been in one of those? I stood next to it and had the doctor tell me I didn't have to get into it. Does it make... When you get the bends, do you feel really ill? Or oh, cramps all through your body, or uh, what is it? Oh, there's two kinds. There's the one. Do you know what the bends is? You wouldn't coming up too fast when you okay. haven't. Basically, when you breathe air, regular air, um, in a scuba tank, it's pressurized. Uh, if you were to go down ten meters, mm. so between us right now and directly up in space, the weight of that gas above us is called one atmosphere. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if we go down ten meters, that doubles. If we go down 20 metres, it triples. Mm-hmm. Okay? So I was at 30 metres, so it's quadrupled. Mm-hmm. So I've got four times the weight of the atmosphere on me. So everything is quite compressed. I was at 30 metres and um, something malfunctioned in my regulator and I was breathing a fine mist of seawater. Oh, God. In, but I couldn't tell. Couldn't tell because it was a fine mist. But what happened was my lungs started to fill... Uh, with water. And so what I've got now is I've got less volume in my lungs to off-gas the nitrogen because what happens when you're under that pressure, nitrogen and oxygen start to behave very differently. Yeah, yeah. And so you actually, uh, it actually becomes toxic at, mm. at that depth. So what happens is the nitrogen, um, it, it changes state and it gets into your muscles and you off-gas it and you process it by breathing, so which is why you have things like decompression stops. Okay, so you have to come up at a no faster than a certain rate and um at about five meters you have a de- safety decompression stop and you sit there for for three minutes yeah while you just breathe and it's through the breathing that you off gas the nitrogen yeah right however for how big i am for my my size the amount of lung that i had to off gas is now less you know making sense yeah now? yeah yeah, yeah. I'm so just wincing i surfaced, I, already, I surfaced with um uh what happens is the nitrogen then bubbles it it, it goes <gasps> It becomes a, it changes state and then it gets into your bloodstream. And if you surface too quickly, it then goes back into a gas. Oh, God. So now I've got this bubble, this nitrogen bubble in my, uh, in my, um, in my nervous system. And so. This is horrifying, but yeah, this is really gripping scary. and horrifying. Yeah, it was actually really horrifying. scary. So there's two kinds of the bends. Mine, it was mild. I was really, really, really lucky. Yeah. It was mild. Um, the the really bad one is when it gets into your bones, when the nitrogen then yeah. becomes it becomes a, a gas again. I think it goes from a, yeah, it goes from a gas into a liquid, and then under pressure mm-hmm. it comes back into a. It's got to be a liquid. What else is going to go to solid? Anyway, 
<laughs> that's when it when it then bubbles out and becomes a uh, it stops being from liquid into uh, gas again inside your bones, and that wow. can be very very painful. Yeah, um, and that's why they recompress you because they recompress you. It goes back into a liquid. Um, yeah. Someone's going to say, going to call up. I know, we're going to get science. Science, someone's going to say, you got it all fucking wrong. Big time I've probably here. got a lot of this wrong. Oh, wow. Um, but the I doctor, get the vibe. The doctor told me I, got a, um, I had a bubble somewhere in my, um, in, in, my, uh, nervous nervous, in my nervous system. And what happened is my symptoms were I was very confused. I was very tired. I was quite nauseous. And the confusion was the main thing. Is I, I got back to my hotel and I was logging my dives. And I... I forgot my own birthday. Right. All right. So yeah. it asked me, you know, what's my birthday? I didn't know my own birthday. And I didn't, uh, I couldn't spell the word water. I was trying to write salt water and I couldn't remember how to spell the word water. Wow. And I thought, I should know that. That's bad. Yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah. Called, I called the doctor and, uh, and down we went. So, but you can understand now, like, when diving accidents happen, you could be at depth and think you're doing the right thing and reach for the wrong gas, turn the wrong valve, it goes wrong go so the fast, wrong direction. Hey. Could get, but you think you're doing the right thing. Yeah. So you could get dead quite quickly doing quite, that. My dad used to dive a lot <clears throat> and we, it was our job to get in the dinghy and roll around the bubbles. But I always remember thinking like in the 80s, good old 80s, it's just all really low key and you know, you're in like the fibre light little dinghy rowing around looking at bubbles going, great, so if, if the bubbles stopped... What are you no one, no to one do? told me then what. Like then what yeah, do I do? Yeah. Like yell for an adult. All the adults are under the water, and I'm rowing around on top of these bubbles, going, "There's some bubbles." My sister's like, you know, like pulling the oars around. Like it just when it goes wrong, it goes wrong so quickly. Yeah. I wonder if maybe that's why, because I've, I've never, I've never dived. Oh, it's freaking amazing. I, well, and I love the ocean. Like I'm, was, I've grown the up best. on the water, so I'm such a water baby. But I've never. There's never been a part of me that's wanted to get down under there. Like a snorkel and stuff like that and duck dive, but I've never gone underneath, I think. And I wonder whether it's just that slight dread I used to feel as a kid, rolling around on top of the bubbles going, oh, God. Where, oh what part of God. New Zealand was that? <clears throat> um, uh, on the coast of Auckland. Oh, okay. On the East Coast, yeah. Grew right. up on boats all around there. We had boats since I was a baby. Right, right. Yeah. But then again, I have nearly, I've had five near drownings. Oh, so shit. Before, before the age of eight. So, but then, you know, it hasn't deterred me. I'm a, I'm a water kid, but well, maybe it's just about getting... Yeah, I know. It's weird. I haven't made that But link. I would say, <laughs> if nothing else, and I would recommend every single person do this, you can go and do a discovery dive. It's, yeah. Someone basically help, but pretty much hold your hand. And someone who knows, well, they, you spend about an hour getting used to all the equipment and stuff, and you don't really go down very deep at all. I think you go down to 10 metres. Yeah, because you practice in the pool first or yeah, something, don't you? Yeah, you practice in the yeah. pool, and then you go to, so it's all in the same day. It's called yeah. a discovery dive. But you've got to go. You've got to go and see the Great Barrier Reef while it's still there. Yeah, you want to tell your children and grandchildren, I went. There used to be this thing. It's gone now. You can go and look at the skeletons of it, but you've got to go. You've got to go check it out. It just while makes me feel so sad. It makes it breaks my heart. I know it's awful, isn't it? Is it like my? I've got little nieces, and I'm already thinking about you know by the time they become parents in another thirty or forty years, if they choose to, they're going to be showing their kids things and books that I got to see in person. Yeah, like it's within that short period of that is deeply sad, isn't but it? Again, though, maybe, and this is the thing that we've got to remember is if we go back forty years. Mm. From now, all right. So early seventies. Um, oh fuck! Sorry. <laughs> Mid seventies. We're gonna get maths and science. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if we go back forty years, all right. What were the things in books? The things in books were 
like really heavy duty, uh, very very serious uh, guerrilla warfare happening in in Southeast Asia. That's true. Massive chemical bombing of innocent civilians by a huge, you know, full on very enormously technologically advanced superpower, the mm-hmm. US, basically deforesting entire, just completely fucking Cambodia and yeah. Laos. All right. Um, you know, all these people getting killed in, uh, in Campuchia. Like, it's horrible, 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 horrible. Mm. Uh, you know, there was no HPV vaccine. There was no, you know, HIV um, prep. There was nothing to, to do. Like, health was fucked. Yeah. All right. Um, geopolitically, we were coming out of the oil crisis. You know, this is really, really scary, scary, scary. Israel's at war, fucking full on, full on, full on, full on. And now we get to go, well, kids. You young ladies grow up and you'll have an HPV vaccine. Hopefully you'll never get cervical cancer. Um, you know, we've discovered this about stem cell research, da, 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 da. So in 40 years from now, yes, we'll be going to your nieces. Your nieces will be going, we had a thing called Great Barrier Reef, but we had no universal basic income. But we used to dig shit out of the ground and burn it to make power. Now we do this, 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 this. And I have to think that because if I don't think That's that, just the I end, isn't it? Yeah, me too. All right? Yeah. But I think you're more disciplined with those thought forms than me because I've I had just, to do it a lot. Yeah, <laughs> you go down the rabbit hole of just bad yeah, times. Yeah, so. yeah. But if if you really think about, it, you go back forty years, you go back eighty years, you go back a hundred years. All right, a hundred years ago, just just penicillin, just around. All right, a flesh wound would kill you. Mm-hmm. All right, if you fell off, if your your <laughs> heels got infected, and you got septicemia, game over. Adios. Yeah, it's been great. That's why people had nine kids. Yeah. <laughs> It yeah, is. Just, yeah. By it the is. law of average, a few of them would survive. It is. It is. That's why people yeah. have nine kids. No, I know, All yeah. right? A flu would kill you. Yeah. If you got, if people would say, bless you, because they thought you were going to die. Yeah. All right? Now, I mean, I fell off my bike in January. I broke my thumb. Um, uh, I had this giant, this was just all just blood. Um, my arm looked like mincemeat, and I, it got infected. It would have killed me. It would have killed me yeah. dead. See, I... I go, not the opposite way, but I go in the tangential direction of going, in the end, if there is an end for human beings, mm. <laughs> it's just a cheery conversation on a Monday, I have faith that the earth will regenerate itself. Always will. You know, and that in the end, once we're gone, the planet will be all right in its next incarnation of how it grows and heals. And so I feel a bit be better fine. about that. I know, but see, because I, I really worry. I worry about humans. Fine. Like, I, I really care about humans, that goes without saying. But I really worry about an environment that can't speak to itself. I mean, I, I feel that way about animals. That's why I'm a vegan. And that's why that, that because there is no voice for them. They don't get a seat in parliament. They don't get to elect a government. They've yeah. only got us to look after them and speak for them. And so yeah. I take comfort that after we're all gone, be the fine. earth will triumph. And be <laughs> that'll be okay. I'm like, be you know, if we're the next dinosaurs, fine, I'm okay with it. It'll be, oh, we you know what, they're going to be fine. Will be. Yeah. There's no question. It's just how long. Yeah. And not in my lifetime. Well, if we do get to see it, we get to see it. Yeah. I have to be okay with that because the other option is to be so sad every day that I don't want to get out of bed yeah, or yeah, do yeah. anything, all right? But that could also be said about, you know, both both my parents are at one point were refugees. My father had to leave his country. My mother had to leave her country. If you thought it's always going to be like this, there's always going to be tanks coming in to wherever I live and I'm never going to be anywhere safe, you'd never want to do anything. But that's not the case. It's, it's, it's nothing goes on 
the way it has always gone on in history. Never. No. Never, 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 never. All right. And even mum was telling me because I was, you know, I was talking to mum about this and, and she said, look, even when they were fleeing the Russians and, you know, they were making their way across Europe on the back of a horse and cart, she goes, I'd still have fights with my sister. She'd still be playing yeah. with my toys and I'd still pinch her. You know, f- families would still be families despite whatever was going on. Yeah. It, life keeps life happening. On. Yeah. Life keeps happening. Kids still play. All right. So just because we have this idea of, you know, what things should or shouldn't be, we, we can't predict what it's going to be. I can only predict that. I can only look at. I mean, I was looking last night. I don't know. There's some horrible news on the weekend, as there always is, um, coming out of Iraq about some really gro- gruesome executions that yeah. are happening over there. And, I, and about 10 minutes later, I came upon this painting of uh, French Revolution, all right, uh, which uh, there's a, a, a race platform with a guillotine in the middle of it. It's ringed by soldiers. And uh, one of the people in the painting is holding the head of one of the bourgeoisie in, in his hand mm-hmm. on the left and around the front of the, the, the podium that's being guarded by soldiers, they've got muskets with um, bayonets on them. Two or three of these people have heads on the spikes. Yeah. All right. Three hundred years ago? Lever was. Uh-huh. Yeah. 250 yeah. years ago? I see where you're going with that. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And this is the birth of the new society that we all enjoy now. Yeah. Wasn't that long ago. Yeah. It really wasn't that long ago. And there were white Christian Western people doing that stuff. Yeah. All right. So I guess, I guess what I'm saying, trying to say is that it's, it's always going to change. It's always going to change. And humans have always gone, you know what, heads on spikes, maybe... What if we didn't do that? And people have always come down, through history, we've always come down on the side of let's not kill each other, let's be nice to each other and let's help each other out because that does eventually, at the end of the day, feel better. Right. And we have as humans done that. If not, we would have torn each other to shreds and died in wars years ago. Yeah. We would have ceased to exist. Just I have to the keep Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. I, I just it, it makes me go, well, what have we learned? You know, if we, because what you're seeing is waves of a particular kind of behaviour at points of change in history. So, therefore, are you saying that what you saw when you were looking on the news, what's going on in some parts of the world is the next wave of change for humanity? Yeah, I would Mm. say so. And we are, as a collective, very, very (laughs) rapidly hurtling towards the realisation that Yes, indeed, we are all one. Yeah, we are. We really are. And we may not like to accept it, but we as a collective will need to make a decision about what we want for ourselves, for us. And, and, and you and me breathe the same air as those people over there. And their decision and my decision affects each other. And, and we're, we're rapidly hurtling towards that. We've been avoiding it for a long time, but it's going to come our way. And... It can only go one way because the other way is extinction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. <laughs> it can only go one way. It, it evolve or die. That is all we've got. That's yeah. That's all we've got because we could be petulant and, you know, this, that and the other about coal, but that's still going to kill us all. 
We can't yeah. avoid it. Yeah. It might be making people lots of money, but they live in the same atmosphere that I do. <laughs> yeah. This is, I love the like, slightly maniacal grin you have while you say this because it is just such a... Um, but it's true. Yeah. I know. I know it's true, but it doesn't make it any less difficult or strange, does it? No. Although, well, maybe it does. Maybe it makes it less difficult to feel, to surrender to one of two likelihoods. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> We're here for the ride, huh? Well, yeah. We came along at a very interesting time. But then, I mean, that's the, the, it brings in the question of personal responsibility, doesn't it? What's your personal responsibility? I can only do what I can do. What is it that you do? I ride a bicycle when I can. I take Ubers when I can. I do have a car. It's a complete wankamobile of an electric car that probably has a carbon footprint bigger than other cars because <laughs> not many of them were made. Um, but I did buy it secondhand. Um, I run all my power in the house of clean energy. I don't eat meat um, because of the land and water that that takes up. Um, I have more of an affinity, affinity with humans than I do with animals, to be honest, and I'd rather people live on that land or, you know, grow food that they could eat on that land than grow food that then is fed to cattle that is then slaughtered. I find it such a waste. Oh, yeah. And the water that's used to make cattle... Crazy. It's just bananas. The pollution you, that animal agriculture yields is just it's horrifying. It's extraordinary, all right? Um, Doesn't make any sense. It's senseless. So that no, it's is completely, completely ridiculous. It's completely ridiculous, but... You know, yeah, he's great. So Frank has a squeaky toy. It's great. He's into it. I generally road test all of the dog toys to find if they've got a squeaker in them, and I don't buy them got if they do. But you. this one got past us. Oh, this one might have been given to us, I think. <laughs> um, and I try to just—that's all I can do. Yep, be decent human. That's <clears throat> all I can do. I try and offset what I can, and I try to be nice to people. But I can't make another person not eat steak if they don't want to. I can't tell another person to save water or power. I can only do what I can do. Yeah. And that's it. And I have to be happy with that. Because, again, the option is to go, just go fucking crazy. Yeah. And I, don't, I don't like being crazy. I've been crazy. I don't like it very much. No, fair enough. <laughs> I, think, I like it that you are at peace with it. I've still got this thing... That, well, I don't know, it comes and it goes. It's just this sort of um, wave of helplessness and frustration where I just want to shout and yell and then I just go, ugh, back into my despondency. I mean, like you, I try, I try to do the best I can. I think I can say, you know, with my hand over my heart that I try to do the best I can. But then I am always like, is the way to change the world... Well, there's the argument, why do you need to change the world? But also, is it to just for every person to have accountability and to be the best person they can be? Or the people that advance change, are they doing it because they're not at peace? Because something other drives them beyond that. That peace. That that's not enough for them to just say, I'm doing the best I can. I don't know, I just wonder about that. Not because I think if I was to go about changing the world, well, how would I start? But, you know, like I, people that force action or force change or do 
<clears throat> really radical or brave things who are at the face of changing society or changing laws or forcing the hands of governments or what is it that's different about them that makes that happen? I would say that when the thought that they have is just is so clearly a better option than what is the current way of doing things and benefits the end user fairly seamlessly if it's a cheaper healthier no that's not to say that's true if it's a cheaper um, more convenient solution that's generally generally what happens it's generally what happens for example, in Queensland today, um, Uber became legal, all right? It's a better product. Yeah. Um, the the, the, the state stagnant taxi industry that has had a monopoly over the, the transport, point-to-point uh, -point transport, um, is very, very upset. But the government's gone, listen, if you look at the money this company's making, and all that money's going overseas, it's a... It's, an overseas, it's a foreign company. Mm -hmm. uh, not 25% of that money, I should say. If you look at the money that's being made, you guys are, sorry, you've been outdone. Yeah. It's a better product. It's cheaper. It's, it's, it's easier to use. Mm -hmm. uh, it offers more accountability. It offers a safer ride. Um, and so people started using it rather than take taxis. Yeah. And then taxis are complaining. It's like, well... You, there's something better that's turned Keep up, up mate. <laughs> yeah. And so I would say that, and, and now the change has happened, and now they've, they've made it legal. And they've levelled the playing field a bit. Uber now has to pay in Sydney as well. Uber now has to pay a pickup fee when they pick up from the airport. Yeah, yeah, okay, I saw they, that. They didn't before, now they do. Um, but it's because it's an easier, more convenient and cheaper option. It has way more benefits you know it, it gets to employ some people who otherwise wouldn't be employable um i, I catch ubers twice a day three times a day mm. um the amount of men that can no longer work because of their skill set and because of perhaps a health issue are now able to work yeah all right and particularly um you know it's always a, a job driving point-to-point -point transport. It's always been a job that people who have recently immigrated to the country take on because it's a fairly, you know, I'm not going to say low skill, but it's a, a, a fairly uh, easy set of skills to acquire um, or to transfer skills you've already got to be able to do. Yeah. Um, so it's an employment opportunity for for so many people mm. that otherwise wouldn't get work. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, it's... a it's just, frankly, it's a, it's a better experience for, for me as a, as a punter. Yeah, I uh, like it too. I've had to catch <laughs> cabs recently um, because people for shoots and stuff like that, they'll give you a cab charge. And you're like, oh, fuck, really? And <laughs> it smells and the car looks like it's going to fall apart. <laughs> you and know? Yeah, and the drivers are often quite cross. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I would say what's different, that's for me, I mean, that's just one example, but that's the first one I could think of. But that's, for me, that's... 
like another one would be Curtis Stone, who works very hard to get um, education into the supermarket uh, food chain. All right. Yeah. So Curtis has gone. He, he came on to the coals, and I've had, I've had him tell me this. And in an interview once, he said, "Look, I came on board, but I said I'll only do it if we work towards sustainable fishing, um, if we work towards hormone-free uh, chicken and beef, and we work towards you know more sustainable agriculture. Otherwise, I don't want to be a part of it." And that's he's driven that. That's fantastic. He drove that. And now they're, you know, and they're working towards that. Yeah. And he's so, he's also not only is he a very charismatic person, it doesn't cost the consumer anything more. It's easy to do to get yeah. chicken with no hormones in it. It's easy to do to get sustainable fishing. Yeah. Uh, so I would say that. I would say as long as, do I have to change anything? No? Fine then. Yeah. yeah. What do you mean? It's cheaper? I'm in. Yeah. So we just have to wait for those price points. We have to wait for when, you know, I mean, in some third world countries, uh, sorry, developing nations, it's now cheaper to deploy renewable electricity generation than it is to deploy uh, uh, coal or gas electricity generation. Wow. Yeah. Because when you think about the infrastructure putting in a coal-fired power plant versus, you know, throwing up some windmills, it's cheaper to put the windmills up. Yeah. So they put the windmills up. I think Chile is basically got free power. Yeah, I think you're, it's, yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> Holy shit. Radical, right? <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. It's bonkers. And so it's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to happen. It's going to be all right. When, at what point did you go, I'm a shy kid who rose a fiberglass dinghy around bubbles. I get bullied at school. I know what I'll go and do. I'll go and be an actor. <laughs> yeah. Um, good question. I don't know. I think it happened... <clears throat> By degrees without me noticing. Yeah. Because when I, when I was a kid, my mum, like I was a really big reader when I was little. My dad always read to me, so I really love stories. And my family came over from America to visit us because half of my family live in California. <clears throat> and I, I stopped talking <laughs> for like the 12 days that they were there. Like I just didn't, I stopped talking. I got an absolute fit of the shies and like hid behind my mum's skirt. I think it was four or maybe wow. even five. I might have started school or I was about to start school. Um, and mum went, oh, no, this is not. Mm. And she knew that I had a really big imagination because my sister and I were always just in dress-ups, building whatever out of whatever. So she sent me to drama. And so I, I did drama classes, just like, you know, community classes. Uh -huh. I, I was a kid, but I didn't ever think, I actually thought I, was, I would be a writer right. when I was growing up because I just love books. Books are my entry point into everything. Like, as a, this is like when I hear the story of, um, don't put the kid on ADD medication. The kid can't stop dancing. Send the kid to dance school. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? The kid can't stop jumping off things. Send the kid to gymnastics. Yeah. The kid's kind of shy. Go send the kid to, you know, yeah. it's wild. So the, the thing that your mum sent you there, did you ever say, oh, I want to go and play dress-ups? No. No, she, she just, just went, she I don't want to be good for this kid. Think. She was like, put, him, put her in drama, see what happens. Did it work? Yeah, I mean, I guess. I mean, here I am. I'm, yeah. I'm a much better, well, yeah. yeah did it help I, you I be able to talk to people that you didn't know? No. <laughs> <laughs> Only if I was in character. It still doesn't. Oh, like I, I, I was, old one. I was really nervous coming here. Like I yeah? Felt, yeah? Yeah, I felt really shy about I'm uh, like cunningly I've managed to turn most of this podcast around into talking either about you or world topics rather than have to talk that much about myself that's I did okay. that without you really knowing that I'd done that I did that on purpose because no, I don't really right. like I was aware of it 
That's okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, yeah, I guess. I, I, yeah, I guess it works. But I. So, what do you like about it? What do you like about doing your job? Disappearing. Yeah. I still like the vanishing. Yeah. And even though I know people would argue and go, it's not, it's just aspects of yourself or it's still you and whatever. It doesn't feel like me. Whatever anyone else argues doesn't really? feel like me. Wow. Is that... Is not that there's anything wrong with me. Like, I'm happy to be me, but I, I, just like, I just like being inside the stories. Like, it's just like, you know, that when you open up a children's book and it bursts into life. Yeah. It's like bursting into life every day. Right. That's what it's like to me. Hard. Sometimes it's hard and things, but I... Have you ever been cast so close to yourself that you get a little confused? Because mm. it'd be easy for me to go and play a pantomime baddie, all right? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I get cast to play, and I've done it once or twice, when I get cast to play the TV presenter or the radio DJ... Something else, real, yeah, it's a bit weird, like, isn't it? I, I'm shit at it. I'm yeah. a terrible actor. Yeah. That's the sound <laughs> of someone's breaks. I think that's what we're listening to. Lovely. Um, yeah, um, um, I don't know. I think you get. I think you. Well, pop. I think there's bits of me that are in all the characters I've played, and some. Yeah. Of, I mean, they are. They look like me. They sound like me. Well, they mostly sort of look like me. I don't really look like I have a look on the television in my normal life. Um, I don't know. I suppose. I guess that everyone else would argue and go, no, no, no. You know, because I know that you get hired. Well, in my experience, you get a role because there's a part of you that best matches that character. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Which is why it's not a competition and why it's not about someone being better than you or whatever. It's just that there's a part of you that is best to express that role. Uh-huh. You know, like that is shimmering away at the time where it needs to be seen. So, uh, so I know that the characters they play probably are like me. It's still someone else's words. It's still a story I go into that I didn't make. And I'm what just do you part f- of making. What do you feel? I mean, screen acting is very different to theatre acting mm. in that you do it f- sometimes like eight seconds at a time. Mm-hmm. You know, you really do. Mm-hmm. You do like one line or one look. Yeah. Um, do you feel uh, the only way, I mean, I've spoken about this on this show before, is that mm, I'm able to, I love doing my job because um, as someone with anxiety, when I'm on live national television in front of a camera, Everyone else is quiet and I'm talking, so I feel more in control than anyone else. And yeah. it's so peaceful. It's just this beautiful 30 seconds of my life and then it goes away. What do you feel in those moments when you are – do you feel a serenity? Do you feel a peace? I feel – that's a really good question. I think it's more that I don't feel, ah. maybe. Or if I'm feeling, I'm feeling things that are other to myself. It's like myself, my feeling, because I get anxiety too. I feel, yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, God. Um, like, that is suspended. Yeah. And there's this, like, slip of energy and into the new space is just whatever the character is experiencing that is not... I'm still feeling it, but it's like I'm feeling it through osmosis. Uh-huh. You know, I'm absorbing feeling through a kind of semi-permeable membrane, but it's not me... You know, like there's a, I guess there's a separation, which maybe when I say that, I feel like that's a bad thing to say because really it should be a bringing together. But I feel like there's like, there's this kind of gap that I jump and it's in that suspension mid leap that I stop feeling me and start to feel things that belong to an other. And so it's kind of a, yeah, it's like a, 
and that's how because I've, I've a gap in consciousness. Well, when I think about what I know about, um, it would be extraordinary if someone were to be able to willingly control their micro expressions. <laughs> All right. Yeah. It would be. It so, would be good. But what you're describing to be able to inhabit another human's persona allows you to react as that other person. So you're allowing your micro expressions in your facial, not even only your facial expressions, like you can smile and deliver a line, but then it's this, you can, there's a real smile and there's a fake smile. Mm-hmm. Then there's the real smile that shows, yes, I love what's happening right now. Or there's the real smile that goes, I had no idea what's about <laughs> to happen. Or there's a real smile that goes, this is so excited, but I'm terrified. Yeah. All right. And those, the difference between those three smiles can only happen if you are able to hand that subconscious reaction of your body over to someone else. That's wild that you're able to do that. Well, I mean, can I do that or is that what I think that I'm doing? I don't know. I'm just giving it a whirl. Do you keep, <laughs> do you keep getting hired? Yes. Well, <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I don't know how commit- – in- that's the process that happens inside me. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, the thing, the thing about acting that I think is really funny and why I d- probably don't talk about it all that much, g- mostly because I get a bit bored talking about acting, but more just because I'm like, nah. it doesn't really matter what I'm doing. It doesn't really matter the process that I go through because the audience looks at a frame and superimposes how they feel about what they're seeing onto what they're seeing. So I could do, I could just stare at that phone on your wall and just stare at it. With nothing. And if you put that in the context of something that people are watching, then you go, oh, my God, she's so upset. Or whatever, without me doing anything. So there's, on the one hand, there's this part of me that's sort of interested in technique and, and where you go with character and what you build and grow. And then there's this other part of me that's completely surrendered to the fact that ultimately it doesn't really matter what I do. People are going to read read it the way that they do. I mean, yeah, there's the dialogue that informs certain things and there's bigger choices I can make that whatever, that guide an audience toward feeling a certain way. But ultimately... The character is the thing that occurs at the meeting point between me and the audience. That's where the character really lives. That's where the story really lives, outside of me. So maybe as I jump that gap from me towards the character, simultaneously in like a time slip, if we want to go physics about it, the audience is jumping, we're meeting in that abyss together, and that's where the art gets made. That's a pretty excellent explanation of what happens... When I watch the night of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I go, no, no, no. Don't yeah. do it, Nas. Don't go upstairs, Nas. I haven't watched a show like that in so long where I've been ho- realised I've been holding my breath and it's only when it gets to a point in something the changes, the scene changes or there's a different shift in energy where I go. <sighs> Stranger Things was like that. Yeah, yeah, there actually. There parts of Stranger Things where I just didn't breathe for a whole scene and Audrey would elbow me. Yeah. Oh, no, breathe. The ones that tap in that I feel like the best art, the best television. I think we are in like this age of television that is powerfully freaking remarkable. That reminds me why I want to do what I do. Reminds me that also most of the time don't get to play roles like that. But also just makes me go, it is possible to tell stories that change the molecules in your body. Like they change your heart. I really believe that. Like that show the night of that's changed me as a human being it's changed my experience of being a human being it's grown my empathy it's changed my heart I know that it it got in like it got in there on a cellular level and I really believe that's possible with art so what does 800 words do? well I hope it makes people laugh (laughs) if you laugh you change the energy in your body don't you it gives people joy happiness 
comfort. Yeah. I don't know. Just takes them away for a little bit. Yeah. 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 Is it fun? Yeah, it's real fun. Nice yeah. crew, nice people. Yeah, it's a really. It's just a. It's a job I feel very fortunate to have because it's just brought me a lot of good times. Like it's really nice to just go to work and have a really freaking good time. Do you? Is it an away game? Yeah, it's in New Zealand. Right. Yeah, so we shoot over there. So I'm home then, which is really great. So <clears throat> around all my family and friends and stuff. So you shoot near Auckland. Yeah, it shoots about forty five minutes away from my family home. Sweet. Yeah, all on the west coast beaches and stuff. So yeah. oh my god. Yeah, it's good. You've been there, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I love that country so much. Yeah, it's good, isn't yeah, it? It's, it's, I'll never forget when the first time I went there when I was 16, I was like, it's like someone has gone and invented 10,000 different kinds of green that I never knew about and put them everywhere. Yeah. Because you grow up in Australia, everything's khaki. And you get there and go, holy shit. Yeah, the green saturation uh, is, a, is a really particular but thing, But also isn't the it? ruggedness of the West Coast <laughs> is just, boy. Yeah, the, that wild, wildness. yeah. It's, it's really spirited. Yeah. Yeah. It's killer. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's a good place to be. That's from. great. But again, then on the other side of things, I noticed the same thing up on the Gold Coast where um, the film industry in Queensland is absolutely crushing. Uh, we shot a TVC up there for the radio station the other day. The crew we had were just like, the, I know that I'm probably never going to work in America again, but the Teamsters up there, nothing on these guys. I swear to God, these were the most professional, most proficient, most extraordinary one step ahead of every step of the production situation that I'd ever, ever worked with, all right? Tiny little studio, we're working with all these rigs. It was weird. They were in and out in 90 minutes, all right? And when we shot Bachelorette in New Zealand last year, mm. the local crew was like, holy fuck, you guys are on point, like best in the world kind of stuff, yeah. all right, as far as crews go. Yeah. And, you know, you've got to just say, nice one, Peter. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> nice one, Zena, to be yeah. honest. To yeah. be honest. When you think about, I mean, you're a part of that legacy. Yeah. 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 I think uh, pretty much every single actor I know that was working during that period that Zena and Hercules were shooting. Yeah. Yeah. Part of that 185 story. 185 episodes, I think they did there. Yeah. 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 It's, um, yeah. It is a the real legacy. The main stunt crew still work as a team. Oh, yeah. Around the world. Oh, yeah. Yeah, everywhere. It's yeah. launched a lot of careers. We've had Zoe Bell on the show. She's, oh, she's fabulous. Yeah. She's a fabulous human being. She really is. Yeah. And then you look at her and you try and talk to her and go, you've willingly jumped off a 300-foot building and then smashed through a pane of glass. And now you're having tea at my house. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's a pretty gorgeous industry, actually, in New and Zealand. It does, and it does make me kind of lament that this country, Australia, has kind of fucked up the tax rebate that they had for a while there. Because they, we really could be here producing so much world-class television is just doing incredible things right now. Mm. Um, but you see, I'm, I'm, I know that many Steadicam guys that have gone to America because mm. they just cannot get the kind of work that a good Steadicam operator can get in America. Yeah. They can, they go buy a second house. You work in a Steadicam operator in, in the States. Mm -hmm. You do it here, you're like, eh, Yeah. It's a, it's I've got a, three months of X Factor coming up. <laughs> it's a tidal industry, eh? Tied in, tied out, tied in, tied yeah, out really for, for everyone that works in all of the different departments. Yeah. You definitely have periods where you're twiddling your thumbs and then periods where you're really busy and yeah. it wasn't always like that. I was saying to someone the other day that it seems like there are less auditions now in general than there were when I was sort of 21 or 22. Like right. the industry's changed a lot, I think. Well, that's why you've got to create your own stuff now, don't yeah. you? Yeah, you do. Are you writing? I do. I'm adapting a novel. Good. At the moment, a well, South African novel, which is going spectacularly badly, um, mostly because I keep skyping my the author of the book, and we sort of keep not having arguments, but 
him going, you need to just get just get rid of this whole half of this book. I don't even want it. I'm like, no, but that's the bit that I really like. Uh, so that's an interesting kind of co-production thing. Uh, I'm terrible at it. I don't know why I thought that I'd be... No, I didn't think I'd be good at it. But I doesn't matter. Think I'd be that bad. Doesn't but in the process of doing it and showing up to do it. do it when you do it is really great. you got to do it. you got to create your own thing. Yeah, you do. Because it gives you something to do when the tide's out. Yeah. It's also just really good it helps, discipline. And it helps the tide come back in too. Yeah, Because you meet people during that process that bring the next gig. Yeah. That's the best part. Agree. Um, I'm going to take Stop a photo. Stop and go out for lunch. Oh, wait, you're going to take a photo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take a photo and then I'm going to make a salad uh, for Audrey and I to eat for lunch. Very good. Um, enjoy your walk home. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Thanks for Thanks having me. Thanks for talking me. me through that first bit. No problem. I'm smiling now. You are. I like wasn't it, when you walked in. The smile's getting to your eyes now. I wasn't when you walked in. Yeah. And I really appreciate that first half an hour of this conversation. No, I'm glad we got through that. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Bye. That was Michelle Langston, episode 150, done and dusted. Thank you so much to everybody that supports the show, patreon.com slash osher. Don't forget, if you leave a review on iTunes this week, um, I'll give out two exclusive episodes next week. I love you for listening. Thank you for your support. I'm going to fill my water bottles and just go and ride up a mountain with some friends. That's all I'm doing. That's all I'm doing. And i just got to remember, when it hurts, it's just a thought that's telling me that it hurts. And I can change my thoughts. So, yeah, got to remember that part too. All right. I love you for listening. I'll talk to you next week. Until we speak again, sleep well and dream of beautiful things. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints.